This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Ahoy, and welcome back to Titanic. Oh, I'm oh. sorry. I, I hit my that's my okay. microphone so i didn't in case you heard that i, I actually didn't hear it at all but also i have so anyone who can not see this i have a pop filter on my microphone and every time i talk to someone who's like remotely in audio engineering they're like you know you don't actually need that and i'm like i know i don't need it for audio but i i punch the air so often i need like a barrier between me and the actual microphone before i like accidentally hit something really hard i do that all the time so but... is this going to be in it or will you cut this out and then start after it might stay in. Depends on how I feel about everything. Um, but I am Alexia, your host for Titanic Talkline, and I'm excited this week because I have the host of one of my favorite shows, um, who I basically annoyed into coming on, but I'm really grateful to have her here. I have Britley, oh my gosh, Brittany Butler from the Titanic Scene by Scene podcast. Hello. Hi. Sorry for like potentially ruining the beginning of this episode. <laughs> I think that the only person that ruins beginnings of episodes is me. <laughs> so don't worry about it. How are you doing? You're doing you're doing all right. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's apparently cedar season in Texas, which I guess means that I'm dying because of there's <laughs> pollen outside. But other than that, I think we're all right. Uh sorry. So I know for anyone who hasn't listened to your show, I have more than once. <laughs> what is your titanic story please tell everyone um so basically it was i was five years old <laughs> and my mom came home from seeing the movie in theaters i was at home with a babysitter and it's crazy how you remember everything right right uh, <laughs> when it's like a big moment in your life you just suddenly you just remember so I was at home with a babysitter and my mom came home and she was still crying. Uh, and <laughs> I was so concerned. I was a concerned five-year-old. She just, I just remember her. Like she came walking in the door and like she had her bag, her pocketbook around her shoulder. And she just came in very somber and she was just looking down and she, she just started crying a little bit again. And I run over and I was like, mom, mommy, like what's wrong? And she just said, the movie was so good <laughs> and I was just immediately enthralled and intrigued I was like what what movie can I can I see it what is it and she's just like it, it was Titanic oh but no you can't see it you can't see it <laughs> and that's like the wrong thing to tell a child always you can't tell a child they can't see something because now I'm just going to obsess over it and ask over and over until I can see it as you should mm-hmm so eventually, uh, when it came out on VHS, my grandparents and my mom, obviously, they sure. got a copy of it for me and they just said, okay, here you go. Like, we'll watch it with you. And that was it. I was absolutely obsessed. I can't remember the very first time I watched it, though. Like, obviously, I remember we watched it together probably mm -hmm. they didn't just let me run away and watch it myself <laughs> um they might have I mean I really don't remember I just remember 
I, I saw it at some point for the first time, obviously. And it's a pretty great obsessed. visual of like an eight-year-old stealing a, a VHS tape and disappearing down a dark hallway. <laughs> a five-year-old. A five-year-old. Five, oh, that's right. Wow. You already mentioned that. Just vanishing <laughs> away. A, a kindergartner. Bye. Nope. Uh, but I definitely remember mostly watching it at my grandparents' house and just crying every single time just as a little kid and my grandmother just kind of laughing at me and just not getting it she's like oh my god she cries every time and I just remember laying on the couch being like I can't have it it's just so sad and I just was obsessed I don't know what it was but I just wanted to keep watching it over and over and over again even though it destroyed my little heart I that's interesting because I don't remember getting beginning to get like properly emotional at films until way later in my life I'm like impressed by the ability to emotionally comprehend that because I remember my own first viewing of Titanic being confused by a Mm. lot of the super dramatic dramatic is a weird way to say it but the impactful scenes I guess because I hadn't been exposed to some of the themes yet like Mm. I had never dealt with a suicide for example so I just did not understand the Murdoch plot for example because I was like why in the hell would someone take their own what that doesn't make any sense I what what possible motivate like that's more of what I mean was like I think I was just too emotionally unintelligent to comprehend why I should even be sad I'm impressed with your ability to comprehend that at five Oh, thank you. I, I know it's funny. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I can't remember a time where I didn't get it, like, at least on a basic level that a kid would understand it on, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, I always like I'm trying to think back to like, certain points that might be that way, like certain points where you may need to wait to be a little older to understand. But I don't know. Like, I I feel like I always kind of, like, I first started thinking of the ending. Mm-hmm. Like, as a five-year-old, I was like, oh, she died. Like, I was like, oh, she, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, she died. An old woman, like, in her bed, like Jack said. Like, I, like, I already was like, I just go, I don't know. I don't know. I just, that was just stuff I, I paid very close attention, I guess. I don't know. But, but I think that's really interesting. Just, it shows you how everyone processes things. Cause I saw the movie when I was seven. So I guess I'm a couple years old, seven or eight. So I'm a few years older. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I remember my first watching being confused by certain things or else just scared, just, just mm-hmm. not understanding what was happening and then being scared of it. Like there's one scene. I don't think you've gotten there in the podcast yet, but it is, <laughs> um, it's a scene it's a blink and you miss it there's a first class woman her body is floating underwater mm-hmm. in front of the first class um one of the go- the domes and that image was seared into my brain as a seven or eight year old but I didn't have the, the only feeling I had about it was just that scared that was it there wasn't any sadness for her I don't think there wasn't any more complex feeling it was just like that's not good and that was the end of it but I did find it scary (laughs) right yeah that's weird I can't I can't really remember or think of a time when I was scared of Titanic it was maybe I was I was just a really weird kid I don't know I was a morbid kid like (laughs) I was weird in the different direction like I got scared at the nightmare before Christmas not 
for a really long time into that movie but i i think like two-thirds or like three quarters of the way in when all the 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 haunted toys are being distributed to the children Mm -hmm. dogs there is a scary duck with teeth and i had a rubber duck that was my favorite toy and seeing that was very upsetting to me. And I ran out of the theater because it was upsetting. But like, I made it all the way there. <laughs> I made it all the way through a bunch of other stuff. And it was fine. But, you know, I hit that one moment. I was like, nope. <laughs> not the and rubber duck. <laughs> not the rubber duck indeed. I was absolutely gone from the theater. But I also remember watching other movies and being fine by them. So that just tells kids are weird, I think, is where I'm going with this thing. Is What, what, what sticks out to kids is odd. And I think, like I said, I'm just, I'm impressed that a movie like Titanic was able to make an impression and stay because again, a lot of the things you see when you're kids, you kind of just move on from them. Well, cause I think it was my first real movie movie that I watched. And I was aware of that going into it, I think, cause I just watched Nickelodeon and, <laughs> you know, kids stuff until then I was only five, you know? Yeah. So by the time I watched Titanic, it was a it was a big deal in my head because I yeah. knew that my mom had already seen it and that it affected her in some way. So I knew it was some sort of big deal. And uh, so I just made sure I just really paid attention because um, I, I was I must have been so excited about it. Um, but I do clearly remember I don't know if it was after the first time I watched it or maybe like the second or third time. But I do clearly remember exclaiming, I was like, this is going to be my favorite movie forever. And like, I remember, I remember, yeah, and it was. It, it really was. was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It really was. Yep. Uh, I'm fast forwarding a lot. And I'm going to go back to like the middle uh, immediate uh, history. But like making a podcast is not easy. Hmm. It It requires a lot of time and effort and I imagine, especially when you have, you know, Ethan's your co-host and you actually have to coordinate two separate people's schedules. So that becomes a whole thing. So what made you want to create a podcast about a very long movie that people (laughs) love and have seen a lot and have a lot of feelings about? Yeah, so... I got the, well, because me and Ethan, we already hosted an, uh, um, we hosted a podcast together already mm-hmm. uh, about a TV show. And then I guess I had started, after we started actually, you know, creating a podcast, I started listening to podcasts <laughs> more. Wow. And so I was like, okay, so what other podcasts are out there? I'm sure there's, you know, so, there's always something tailored to your interests. So I searched for Titanic and I listened to a bunch of one-off episodes of movie podcasts, um, like just their episodes on Titanic. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and at the time, so this was like 2019, maybe, or 20, late 2018. And at the time, all of the episodes I found just did not get Titanic. They just didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't let it, it in. They didn't. They never let it in. Um they just didn't and it was really bothering me and I listened to so many different ones Mm -hmm. and just all the ones I had come across were just very cynical takes there were just people who just 
didn't understand the movie on the level that I know us fans understand it. <laughs> and I was getting very upset because I couldn't seem to find anyone who, you know, would point out the things that I would think of or point out things that other people might have noticed, you know, or just, you know, common known things that <laughs> we know. And right. so it was just annoying listening to all of this. And uh, at the time, I, I don't remember um, any podcast existing like this, because if it did, I would have been listening to that instead of trying to make one myself. Sure. Uh, but I think there was the Titanic Minute one. Yeah. And, and that one's like <laughs> crazy, though. So I was like, okay, can't do that, obviously. And that's not something I would ever do anyway. Uh, but I was like, what's another thing that could be similar? Or like, I just got mm-hmm. the idea that I was like, well, why not go scene by scene? You know, not minute by minute, but like maybe scene by scene. Because that way, uh, you know, we can really discuss everything there is to discuss. And there's still going to be stuff to discuss even when we're done. Sure. Uh, but, you know, it just seemed like that would maybe be a cool idea because I had done a Titanic like video essay basically on my YouTube side channel for the Twice. 20th anniversary. It was like Titanic. <laughs> it was called Titanic 20 years later, a discussion review and defense because at the time people were still being annoying about Titanic. Um, and so I did this. You really... say that as though that stopped. Oh yeah. Well, this 25th anniversary helped a bit. I will say that's true. Um, but yeah, so I I did this really long video where I tried to get all of my Titanic thoughts out, but it's a never-ending, endless pit. So I said, why don't I just try a podcast doing this? And I had no idea what it, how it was going to go. Like, I mean, I had no idea how it was going to do. Um, sure. The podcast we had at the time was for such a niche show it was like a childhood show that only a very finite amount of people cared about and our audience was very small but mighty for what the subject was so I was used to like a strong small dedicated group of people who would listen Mm -hmm. uh but yeah with Titanic it's Titanic and I should have expected that it might have done a little better but at the time it was a side project to our side project (laughs) and so you know what I mean so I wasn't really expecting much and then it it just took off like organically like on its own just people searching for Titanic I guess I don't know and people just came across it and now it's kind of at this point at least I'd say it's kind of our main podcast because we've taken a long long break from the other one but would you say that the audience for the related things is Titanic size? <laughs> oh, this is great. Uh, uh, yes, yes, I would. I think that even surprised me because so my show only started a little under a year ago. So mm-hmm. this is 2022, which means post pandemic and also sort of reapproaching this 25th anniversary wave, the buildup. And by that time, there was a handful more of podcasts. There was there was your show. Titanic Minute had completed by that mm-hmm. time, which if you haven't listened to it, you're right. It is absolutely crazy, but it is hilarious in a way that is very hard to describe. It's just, it's it's nonsense that's Titanic themed. It's great. 
Um, and then there was, I think there was a limited series called something along the lines of Titanic Voices. And there's also Unsinkable, the Titanic podcast, Time to Talk Titanic, Titanic. I'm forgetting the rest. Um, but <laughs> by that time, when I was coming up with a show or coming up with an idea, it was, there were so many. And it was surprising to me that not only were there so many, but there was room for more. Right. It's like the, um, the desire is insatiable for Titanic content. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Sorry. I, know, I, I had thought the same thing. Yeah. Because when... with our other one, if they're like the cast of that show just started mm-hmm. their own podcast for it. And I was like, okay, oh, cool. so no one really needs ours anymore because we were the only oh. one. We were literally the only one. But you were so, the first. We were. Cast came we second. Were... Cast came second. <laughs> but, but I like. I can see where in certain groups oversaturation is a concern because I'm thinking about certain things. Like I play roller derby as a. I was going to say, actually, I, I was looking at your Instagram and I saw that <laughs> I used to love roller derby. I always nice. wanted to play. Always. You still should. I still have my quad skates and everything that I bought from you should go. back when I was younger. But you're a, I'm not going to out where your city is, but I happen to know that there is a league. Oh, I know. I know. There's Boston. Yeah. I, I, I've said I'm from Boston. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Boston I've gone to like, I went to about before <clears throat> mm-hmm. I went to, they did, um, there's like this Donna, Donna summer, uh, disco roller skate thing. They do sometimes. Oh, that's pretty awesome. They're there. And nice. I, I met them there before and I, I had kind of like a whip it moment where I was like, you guys are so cool. And they were like, you should try out. You should. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not athletic enough for that, but. <laughs> so obviously as someone who plays and I obviously happen to think that everyone can do it. I firmly believe that. However, I am also reasonable. And if you're like, no, I don't want to do that. Or no, I'm afraid. That's reasonable. I'm not going to force you. But if it's something you want to try, whether it's roller derby or whatever the hell it is, like as long as it's safe, I say go ahead and try it. If you're saying to me, hey, I would like to try heroin i'm not going to endorse that that's a really <laughs> dangerous idea and we're not going to do that roller derby yes but um you should try it go to anyone who's listening if you're interested don't just go like to a thing find your local league find a recruitment night they'll they'll teach you everything but oh i had a point the original point i was going to make was derby is reasonably small so i can see where after a while if everyone was having a podcast within roller derby it would become oversaturated extremely quickly mm. it's it's still a very small community it's growing but we're not quite there yet it's not like the nfl where you can have an infinite number of podcasts and nobody cares but i think that that is one cool thing about titanic where it's like we haven't quite reached that point where everyone's like there's just too many there's just you can't have that and like there's other shows that i'm a couple that i can think of in the titanic world that are kind of talk show based and it's like there's room for more than one angle of this discussion and it's also what i think makes it popular as a movie to discuss like as you mentioned on a bunch of different kinds of movie podcast because it covers a bunch of genres and criteria mm-hmm. maybe not yep. horror I've actually, with this 25-year release, I've seen people saying it definitely does cover horror. I've seen people say there's, like, just certain moments that could be just straight-up horror for some people. And once I realized that, I was like, yeah, like, all the screams and just some of the visual stuff. And, yeah. Could be a lot. Mm-hmm. 
the, uh, the second half of the movie is and in, is intense in a way that's very hard to describe i think because mm-hmm. it's very realistic in its in its depiction you know i've seen for example i remember going to go see we got free tickets to see one of the final destination movies oh, and i remember <laughs> i love those movies <laughs> i ugh, i have a love-hate relationship with them because i can handle because they're so ridiculously bonkers like they are like i we saw the one i don't remember which number it was but it was one with the roller coaster that's my favorite one that's okay. final destination three <laughs> okay it's number three um i can handle everything in that movie until the two girls in the tanning bed that right. i just can't uh when you if you're squeamish, cover your ears. But it literally just shows for a second, like their skin blistering up and bump. And to me, that was too much. I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna be sick. I might actually die. But there was other moments in that that were just so comedically wild. Like the girl who basically trips backwards into a nail gun. Yep. It's like, okay, well, that is just, <laughs> that is just nuts. And <laughs> that's a level of like cartoony violence where you're kind of almost like, <laughs> what was that? Uh, that is not James Cameron's Titanic. No, no, nobody. Uh, nobody trips headfirst into a china cabinet. That's that's not this movie. No, <laughs> It'd be a really weird movie if it did. That's but funny I, though that you mentioned Final Destination. I yeah, I have a weird so soft weird. spot for those movies. They're except just so the, weird. Except for the fourth one and the second one, I'm not too crazy about those. But did they just have like weirder, like not as interesting plots? premises yeah like the, four, the fourth one was just bad like i don't know oh. what was wrong with that one like everything about it was just terrible <laughs> and then the second one just wasn't you know something about it just wasn't as interesting to me but yeah so i've never seen any of the other ones but i have heard from the general chatter sphere that three is abundantly popular yeah i, I didn't realize that either but i think because that was actually the first one i saw and then i just really liked it as a movie on its own and then i went back and watched the other ones but yeah it was again. It was just so wild. I again, I hadn't seen any other ones. It was I haven't seen any other, and that was the first one I saw. But I just remember again being in the theater and just being like, "This is bonkers." And you know what's funny? Because I'm not a big horror movie person either. But mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I like Final Destination and why it actually scares me so much is because the villain in that movie is death itself. Yeah. And that is something that I guess could almost tie into Titanic and me being a weird five-year-old who was like drawn into this movie of like, that's literally about dying and like life and death and all this stuff. That's just always been something that's, I don't know, that's just always struck me uh, for as long as I can remember just the concept of life and death. And so I feel like for a horror movie franchise where death is literally the villain, it kind of makes sense that I would be drawn to that. And then even like with Titanic, it almost, it's almost like death is the villain in Titanic as well. It's not the iceberg. It's not the ship. It's just fate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just this a crazy thing that happened. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. It's kind of weird, but. I don't think that's weird. I actually think it makes a lot of sense because. It's one thing, it's the whole concept of putting a name to something, like once you name it, it's harder to be scared of it. I mean, I think that's a pretty common trope when you have a kid in a horror movie. It's like, well, I'll give it a name and that way it won't be so scary once we're calling it Gary or whatever. <laughs> and it, it, it kind of does make sense where it's like, oh, it's not some vague entity. It's the Duke. It's got a name or whatever it is. And you can name death as many times as you want to, but it is, there's no way to make it less 
terrifying as a concept because it is inevitable. Yep. That's exactly it. It's interesting. And it's interesting now that I'm rethinking the Final Destination movies too, because if anyone hasn't seen them, I'm assuming the premise is basically the same, is that it starts with some horrifying montage where some person, a chosen person, sees how everyone in a scenario is going to die. Yeah, like there's like a horrific accident of some kind. Yeah. Like we mentioned the roller coaster. They're they're on the ride and the girl sees that if they go on this ride, they're all going to die. Every single one of them. So she calls the stops. They all, they all get out. And then because they escape death that minute, the, t- the clock just starts ticking on them for the rest of the film. And there's no way out. Mm-hmm. And, and, every, I, and of course, everyone mm-hmm. has to die in very gruesomely ridiculous ways oh yes no no one nobody just like has a heart attack or anything (laughs) you don't get out of it that easily you have to climb into a tanning bed after you snuck in a smoothie you shouldn't have that melts on the heating mechanism and overheats while you're stuck inside because the sunscreen tube i'm remembering all these details randomly that we're using to prop open the door uh squeezed out some of its contents and now the owner can't get back in and he just watches you burn to death from outside yep that's it there's just always it's death is an actual thing that's working its magic just to kill you because you should have died that first time but i find that it is a super interesting concept because everything not everything else but there's so many other narrative threads that are the concept of cheating death or or the oh my gosh i would did you see that i almost got hit by that car and i didn't and there's that element of my goodness it's it's used as a way to renew people's you know vigor in in narrative threads a lot but in these movies it's just a enjoy it while it lasts because it won't Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because thinking about it that way it's like titanic is almost a final destination movie because we start it with that simulation that lewis shows us of everyone of everyone and then no matter what happens until the end of the movie we are just destined to see that entire thing play out Right. And every time knowing that when I see them approaching that iceberg, I just saw it again in the theaters. And every single time I'm like, but what if they miss it? Yeah. What if it's not even out? just, but what if they miss it? But it's just every single time I feel the tension. Yes. Um, which <clears throat> is amazing. And it has to do with the score. And I think we talked about that in our episode about that scene, but everything about it, just the score is so perfect the way it's like, it's building you know, it's like dun 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 that thing. It's like you're just like waiting. Uh, but then when it actually strikes, it's just like solo violins and just very, very just like very quiet. And there's something about that that I've always liked as well, which is just like it doesn't erupt into this big moment it's just this subtle moment because that's kind of what it was like for most people on the ship like they didn't really know what was going on so it shouldn't be this big you know you know what i mean so at least not all the time yeah as you pointed out not everyone on the ship was affected by it but i like that you mentioned the violins because when we think about like orchestral scores i think that a lot of big moments like i'm thinking right away of like the Avengers assemble sound, mm-hmm. the Star Wars theme. There's mm-hmm. a lot of brass. It's very heavy brass. Brass is very associated with moments of drama because they're, they're loud. They're effortlessly yeah. loud. They're effortlessly bombastic in the same way that if you hit a timpani, that thing's just boom. 
Mm-hmm. It's just very explosive. However, for such an interestingly, quote unquote, exciting, intense moment, it is violins and violas doing very quick, tense runs. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but I used, I play violin and just knowing how even tense that would be to play is odd because it's a very quick bow structure. So even the people playing the notes, it's very tense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really interesting choice to underscore, you know, this intense moment. Yeah. And I I just, yeah, I've always liked the way it drops out. Like pretty much the big moment is just the sound of the iceberg scraping against the ship is pretty Mm -hmm. much the score for that moment. (laughs) And the time I can think of they're using brass is the moment when we see Victor Garber as Thomas Andrews at his desk. There's a lone, I think it's a trumpet note, just going. Yes. Yes. And it's that. And it's quiet. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) don't need. Well, we get the, we get, we do get those at the sinking. Yes. (laughs) Very heavy use of brass there. But in this moment, it's an extremely restrained use. And it works so well for the score because, as you pointed out, the sounds of the iceberg breaking the ship are drastic enough. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that moment you're waiting for with a Titanic movie. You know it's coming, you know? So mm-hmm. I have to say that I, having read the testimonies and read some of the books and seen A Night to Remember and now, quote unquote, knowing that the right way was far less dramatic and that what really happened was more like quietly given orders at first and nobody panicked and it wasn't a thing. But I will also say that having seen A Night to Remember and the sinking filmed in that way, it is not as compelling. Yeah. It is more accurate. I feel bad for thinking that because I know so many people on the internet will die on the hill that A Night to Remember is the superior Titanic movie. It's so much better and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, okay. I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to fight you. (laughs) I'm small. But, um there's two things at play for me number one i love ewan stewart as first officer murdoch i think he does a really good portrayal of him and he has extremely good tense facial acting Mm. both in the take her to see scene i think that he does a really good job at kind of bringing up sort of joy and pride in your work as well as you know that with captain smith just being able to pay attention while still being happy but then during this scene it's you know there's not a lot of dialogue. There's, you know, a, a little bit of yelling at the high starboard. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of yelling at the beginning, but there's not really a lot of hollering, yelling, screaming. All of the acting is people's faces and then him muttering mostly to himself. There's very little yelling, but I think that he does a really good job at evoking that tension of a person who can't actually do anything. Right. Like, yeah gave the order exactly he does everything he can is it hard over yes <laughs> it yes. is yes sir it's like yeah, it's okay like... well then i just have to stand here and wait <laughs> and i feel bad for hitchens like no i just decided i was gonna stop at the halfway point figured you couldn't be that serious <laughs> it's like no i did what you told me to do man <laughs> but it's like you're so panicked in that moment you just have to make sure like is it oh <laughs> yeah i would have been doing the same thing i think i would have asked seven times yeah i would have asked enough where you let go it's like well now it's not <laughs> But, you know, I, they do a really good job of conveying the tension, which I think was necessary because, again, having seen A Night to Remember, 
and having this also has to do with filmmaking of the 50s so yeah, this is very not different meant, very yes different. yes yes not meant to be a direct comparison but um there there's never a moment where they really do ramp up the tension so when the sinking happens it almost feels artificial mm. in that the tension was never quite brought up to you the stakes were never set out in the same way and the budget simply wasn't as high it didn't go as far so they weren't able to have hundreds and hundreds of extras to really show the scope Mm-hmm. It was just much more limited. And unfortunately, with all that working against them, you then have this multi-billion dollar movie decades later that evokes this incredible tension and emotion. Because like you said, I feel bad kind of being like, well, I need to remember me, but it simply is what it is. And it was extremely good for its time. But I, think- I, know, I was actually very, when mm-hmm. I finally got around to watching it, I was surprised at how well their practical effects look uh, for the time. But their miniatures and stuff like you can tell they're a miniature but i'm like sure. it still looks pretty good for the 50s you know it does it looks way better than the movie they made in 1979 sos <laughs> titanic and i was 20 years in advance they had 20 years to get ready and they were still like Meh. <laughs> but what if we i love madeline I, astor and pigtails i love the 1996 one where it's like i hear there that james cameron's making a titanic movie we gotta hop on that before he does let's go <laughs> Yeah, I feel bad for everyone that was involved with that one. It's kind of like, yeah. ooh, when that came out, was everyone involved just like, let's pretend this didn't happen. <laughs> Somebody walk left. I ugh. when Larry, this is not a, meant to be a total one eighty, but I wanted to go back to something you'd said a little while ago, which is I mean, you're talking about some of the things that people were getting wrong when you were listening to other episodes of the show and things that you were like i want to talk about you know this or not to say that other people are wrong but like no because i'm a person who likes titanic i happen to know x y z what are some of the things that like like one of a couple of the big ones maybe that made you think like i have to do my own show because we have got to fix this uh well excuse me um most of the podcasts i came across first of all were hosted by men I was going to ask that, but I was trying to figure out the nice way to ask that. Yeah. That's the best way. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Most of these podcasts were hosted by men and they just, they just were ragging on it. And they just kept saying how this movie wasn't made for me. This movie wasn't made for us. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like that just got on my last nerve because without fail, like most of them would always say that. Hmm. And it just drove me crazy because to me, Titanic is a movie for literally everyone and i felt like the only reason they were saying that was because there is a romance at the center of the fictional story and that just got me so mad because there's so much present in the story of titanic and even embedded within the love story there's all these messages about life and love and perseverance and all these things that everyone was just apparently missing because it's a romance so it's stupid it's cheesy it's hollywood there's really it's all surface level there's no real meat to this movie it's just whatever and that's what so many people were saying constantly like they wouldn't actually dig deeper into it they just were talking about it for you know the hype that it was the you know, the pop culture parts of it and all the things that they find annoying and all this stuff, but they just weren't actually 
talking about the reasons why I love it and the reasons why I know so many other people love it and the real merit of the movie and, and, you know, the reasons why it has endured for so long. There's people just missed all of that, which was just driving me crazy. And I feel like people to this day still miss a lot of that stuff, which, you know, is one of the reasons, the big reason why I wanted to do the podcast. And, uh, you know, I feel like there's still so much we haven't said and still so much to say, especially now that we're heading into the, you know, we're into the back half of the movie now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but even so, like with a lot of the stuff in the first half, you know, I feel like we touched on some stuff uh, within the romance that some people may not have thought of before. You know, we've gotten a lot of emails like that, which mission accomplished to me. If if we were able to have anybody see something in a different light. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much the main thing. And mm-hmm. just kind of like belittling the significance of the titanic disaster as well mm-hmm. just people not really giving the power of that event enough credit either like just mm-hmm. not getting anything about the movie <laughs> just like not understanding why it works and you know all the things it did well so those are kind of the main things but I've talked about it a little bit on my sh- on my show before about the significance of specifically the romance in Titanic. I would love to talk about it because I know you talk about it on your show a little bit more because I think you're right. I think that there's a big significance people keep missing. And I always bring up how, <clears throat> especially if you were not a girl or young, not male person in the 90s and 2000s, and those were your sort of media formative years, the dominant message for you was there is one standard of beauty. You must fit it. And if you don't, nothing else about you is important. Not your name, not your accomplishments, not your hopes, not your dreams, absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And you see that, you know, in early examples like the movie Grease, where, you know, Danny doesn't look twice at Sandy once they're in front of the school again until she conforms to his image. You see that in She's All That. You see it. Oh gosh. I'm thinking, I can't remember. Um, I think raise your voice has a thing. I think almost any rom-com he, she's the man. They all have these scenes where the woman character drastically changes for the male character. And Mm -hmm. it is a central narrative theme of every, almost every movie TV show and book series that was aimed at that sort of target audience. And then you have Titanic, which is, one movie i will admit it is a singular movie but it is a movie in which a woman changes not because she is required to but because she sees an opportunity to become a more authentic version of herself it's Mm -hmm. not i want to be hot for this guy it's not like she's like well i found out that the latest thing in third class fashion is to do x y and z she's not changing who she is and that was a really important example that as you said, I think a lot of people just. Yeah. She's being set free. It's, Mm -hmm. it's everything she's already had within her uh, getting to be released because of her relationship with this guy. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of makes it so beautiful and appealing. I think is that it's like Jack and Rose, they seem very balanced 
you know, like one of the most mm-hmm. balanced couples that you could have in a major blockbuster like this, especially in different ways as well with the way they both physically save each other at one point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Cameron has, you know, Rose wield that axe and get down there to, to, you know, save her man in this moment, just as he saved her from going overboard. And mm-hmm. there's just things like that, that I feel like are very overlooked and not as appreciated for a movie as big as Titanic uh, Mm -hmm. to have done. Um, And I think that also says something about its staying power as well. I feel like there's a lot of, um, there might be some subconscious stuff going on there for people who, you know, don't get it or think they don't get it or don't think twice about why it's lasted so long. I think it's just kind of funny. I feel like there's a lot of different things at play. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I find interesting about this, this is an, another sort of trope reversal is that, and you see it a lot with um, I I think I know where you're going with this. I don't know. Are you going to say like the manic pixie? No, I wasn't thing? actually. Yeah. I was going to bring up that you see it with Christian Gray. You see it with Edward Cullen, the trope of the rich, hot, jealous boyfriend being attractive like having mm-hmm. that person be the love interest and in this case he is decidedly the villain of the entire story right yep and i found that really really interesting and i find that interesting more so as an adult and rethinking about these things as i like watching film reviews and i've been watching some lately um for twilight and i saw one my boyfriend showed me for 50 shades of gray which I had, I've, I've read part of the first book and I was laughing too hard to continue. So I never quite finished. <laughs> it's so, speaking of bonkers, that is bonkers. It is wild. I don't, writing, I never want to be that person that's like, maybe you should pick a different hobby, <laughs> but maybe she should have picked a different hobby. Um, But that trope is really present. And I mean, it's also kind of in like, going back to Greece with like Danny Zuko and all these the men who are in a privilege where they're attractive and they have the money and they can act however they want. And for some reason that excuses everything. And I liked again, how Titanic was like, well, no, that's just kind of being a jerk and you Mm -hmm. shouldn't like that. That's not good. And it shows it as being what it is abusive. Now see, there are still people to this day. I still see people saying, how Cal wasn't that bad. Like Rose could have had money if she stayed with him. Like sure. blah blah okay. blah. Like, and I'm just like, did we really wrong. want? Did we watch the same movie? Because that is absolutely insane to watch Titanic and then come to that conclusion. Agree. And not only that too, I've noticed more and more. So many people love to paint Rose as the villain, which is wild. I see this all the time. I've seen so many viral posts. I mean, posts with like hundreds and thousands of likes of people laughing and agreeing and being like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one that thought this. She's the worst, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, isn't that funny? Like this one blockbuster where this woman is the heroine and the person we follow the whole time. Like, this is what we're we're going to say this. You know what I mean? It's always... Rose killed Jack by not letting him on the wood. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, really? Hmm. It's like, it's like, why? It's like, why? Why do we automatically think that and not what 
you know, was the case, which was, you know, Jack made a decision in that moment that, you know, he's going to pass his torch over to her. And this is the way it has to be. You know, it's not Rose killed him because she's selfish and couldn't make Ramon. I'm like, how? She didn't kick him in the head. And I'm like, where, how are we twisting it to be this way? If Um, she had climbed onto the wood, turned Jack around, put him in a sleeper hold and pushed him underwater, (laughs) I would say, yeah, she killed him. She killed him right in front of us. But uh, she did not do that. Unless there's a version of the movie that you've seen that I haven't, where she just like brutally KOs him. Okay. I think that's a fascinating argument. And I think you touched right on it, which is that it is a woman. Nope. It's a movie that highlighted a young woman's story and she came out on top without a man and a lot of people can't hang with that and by a lot of people i mean a lot of angry dudes out there it's just so crazy to me because i feel like people almost like they harp on jack as a character Mm -hmm. way more than rose like i feel like some people think that jack is kind of the main character of titanic because all you ever hear about is jack 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 this jack that jack could have lived blah 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 like you don't really hear as many people talking about rose i don't think but i think the reason that happens is because rose is telling the story if i tell a story about this interview we're having right now i'm gonna reference your existence far more than my own just because Mm. i'm the narrator of the story i don't need to constantly be like and then i and i and i and i was there and i was there remember i was in the conversation yeah we know you're telling that you were there so I would mention that you were there more often than Brittany said, or she said, or she brought up. Mm-hmm. I would just mention you more often. And I think that's kind of the thing here. It's like Rose doesn't need to mention her own name as many times. She's the narrator of the story. It's kind of implied that she's there. And like, obviously there's some scenes where she's not, but like, I can see where some people would make that argument because his name is mentioned more often but in the grand scheme of things i'm like if you actually watch the movie it is it is her story she is the central narrator in both time periods yeah Mm -hmm. it's an interesting argument i think just as you said people find reasons to harp on this movie because it was and still is in many ways showing attention to storylines and plot lines and tropes that are very uncommon yeah and i think that's very i've said it before on our podcast Mm -hmm. but titanic is actually underrated (laughs) so many people say it's overrated but i'm like if you call it overrated yet you completely overlook everything good about it and by calling it overrated you're underrating it (laughs) like you know what i mean so uh yeah weird catch 22 they came up with themselves yep it's very strange so uh but yeah i feel like people really they're just quick to write it off as cheesy without actually um examining it and thinking about all the things that it actually because because cliche is another word they throw out all the time to describe titanic and i'm like okay but a lot of things it did aren't actually when you compare it to other romances and other you know movies of a similar nature um so yeah it is it's interesting to see how opinions not to necessarily say that they're changing 
But I, I feel as though as, you know, time goes on and a general sort of like shift in the way that we consume media is happening and a shift in the way that people are producing media, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, lines and tropes and jokes that were extremely common in the 90s that you wouldn't be able to toss into anything now. It's, it's inappropriate. And because of that, you know, we're seeing more things told from the female perspective. We're seeing more movies and TV being framed around like a non-traditional narrator. So it's becoming a little bit easier to see those counterpoints. Um, But again, Titanic came out during a time when that wasn't super common. And it was groundbreaking in its own way at the time, as you said, in so many ways, some of them really big, like you spent how much money on a movie and some of them in other small, subtle ways, like reversing the, um, the power dynamic in the relationship. Yeah. Like so so many images as well. Like we've mentioned um, on the podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. in the car scene when, you know, Jack is laying on top of Rose and like, she's kind of cradling him. I feel like that's something you don't really see especially in a giant blockbuster like that it was something and and even just jack being of the body type that he is you Mm -hmm. know that's not necessarily the big male lead you know he was a lot more he was softer and you know didn't really look the way you would necessarily expect a leading man to look at the time Mm -hmm. um and even to this day still with like all the superheroes out there you know he still doesn't totally fit the <laughs> the thing really but I mean there definitely is an appeal for you know people who look like young Leonardo DiCaprio these days but uh Justin Bieber is a pretty good indicator that 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 has remained popular yeah yeah Timothy Chalamet as well yeah Tom one. Holland yeah but uh but yeah for sure but that, that was it was doing a lot of different things at the time and I feel mm-hmm. like uh a lot of people just reacted a certain way to That's true. everything Titanic was doing. <laughs> You're in your show as of now. So we're in March, unfortunately, but I think this episode is probably going to be coming out in like May, cause April, because my life is insane. Right. But where in the approximately, if things go according to plan, where in the movie will you be by like May-ish? Um, if we can stay on a good schedule, um, we have this episode that I just finished editing, mm-hmm. like the main edit of it. And then after this, I'm going to listen back, cut it down more. It's a big process. Um, <laughs> we really have to try to stay on top of how long we talk because this episode yes. that I'm editing, we spoke for three hours. I've done so that. I cut it down to two hours. <laughs> And now, so I cut out a whole hour of talking. And now when I listen back, I'm going to cut out even more, more. Unnecess- unnecessary stuff that I maybe didn't notice that first pass through, you know? Yep. So it's probably <laughs> going to end up being an hour and a half. So I got maybe another half hour to cut out. Uh, so that's- I'm going to listen that. to the whole thing, so. <laughs> well, thank you. But that is a, a process that I have to, you know, make sure I have the time to do. Uh-huh. Um, and then there is also like the research aspect mm-hmm. of it. You know, I have to make sure I have time to sit down and do my whole college research project vibe with it, where I cross-reference all my different books and Mm -hmm. look up interviews and do whatever to try to get everything. And so there's that. And then, yes, me and Ethan, me and Ethan um, 
working with each other's schedules. He has like this crazy work schedule now mm-hmm. since the last time we were recording. So, uh, yeah, so it's a process. Um, but we do have our next episode already ready to go because we recorded it literally two years ago and I've just, <laughs> it's it's just been sitting on my hard drive but um so we have that ready to go like maybe I want to say probably like we'll give this one I just edited like a, a week or two uh and then post that one in like two then the old the one from two years ago in like two weeks after that and then so we're in the end of March now for anyone who's paying attention with so me. maybe if we got if we somehow could do like every two weeks an episode, maybe that might be a thing that we could try to stay on now that we have like that grace period of this episode that's already done. Right. Um, <laughs> I love a maybe, backlog. It's such a yeah. nice feeling. Uh-huh. Maybe we can kind of get on top of things. And we try to record more than one scene in a session. Sure. So I mean, while you have the time. Yeah, we try to do that to not spend too much time because these scenes really are, you know, a three minute scene or a five minute scene, you know, Mm -hmm. so it shouldn't be that hard, (laughs) but we still end up talking forever. Um, Do understand. I I would, I think so, because the episode, the next scene that we have ready to go is women and children first. Okay. um, Which ends, I believe... That episode ends right around when Rose says, I'd rather be his whore than your wife. Uh, um, this is a good scene. Yeah. So it ends like right around there. Okay. And um, so by May, I would think. She's probably. I'm guessing we're probably getting about to where she's going to run into Jack. She may not be there yet. Wait, running into Jack? Or well, what? not running into him, but like she goes down to find him. Right, right. Well, because that's when she kind of le- that's when she leaves to do that. Is like yes. right at that moment. I'm trying to figure out if she's gonna get there, but it depends on where the scenes. Cut I think obviously I posted a picture of the DVD scene selection, which is what we're kind of we were yeah. basing it off of. Mm-hmm. But at this point, the DVD scene selection, the scenes get so long. Oh uh, yeah, it's like fair. not accurate at all. Um, no, that makes sense. You kind of have to start like making an executive cut. Yeah, I gotta. We start looking at the Blu-ray scene selection makes sense because they're much more divided. Huh. Um, Didn't consider that. It's okay. not super. Impo- it's not like the most important. I was just kind of curious because obviously, when you're, I mentioned Titanic minute. That's minute by minute. Yeah, but scenes are scenes are a little bit longer, and it's so it's so interesting how fast the movie goes once once it hits the iceberg, it just mm. takes off. Yep. Yeah, I don't know where we'd be. We'd maybe be. Mm. Honestly, maybe like Rose getting into the lifeboat or something maybe oh yeah Um, i guess it'll boil down to again where are the scenes splitting yeah and and you know when you know how we're gonna schedule everything but yeah i was just curious in case the 
anyone who was listening was wondering where they could go. Because the good news is by the time this comes out, there's going to be a really, really hefty backlog of the Titanic scene by scene podcast. So anyone that does go through, there's going to be, what, 25 to 30 episodes by that point? Oh, yeah. I think we have 25 now, I think. So. Okay. Something. Yeah. There'll be a lot. Around there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there already say. is. <laughs> there already is. There already is. You, you have done more than half of the movie, as we figured out, because we all know where the halfway point is. I believe you may get your headlines, Mr. Ismay. And then we go right into, which is a little slot, isn't it? <laughs> which, I love that line, but he also says it in one of the weirdest ways possible. So it's just like, you swallowed yeah. eight of those syllables, my friend. Yeah, a lot like, of Billy's... isn't. <laughs> what? Billy Zane's line readings are interesting. I love the way, like, again, with the way times change, I feel like people used to think that he was really bad in that movie a long time ago and people thought he was just so corny and they hated his choices but now we're at a, a time in in society i guess where we just think he's great and we love it and he's so ridiculous and it's wonderful and it's perfect i think it's the rise um, of um the millennials because we are extra and true uh, and he's clearly extra so we're very much oh my gosh i saw something that made me feel so freaking old the other day not even i'm not even that old but it was i think it was in the our titanic on reddit where someone was like oh my god loved billy zane's performance he ate and left no crumb i was just (laughs) like okay i know what you meant by that because i got it but i'm also really mad (laughs) (laughs) he ate and left no crumbs it's like i love that but i'm also so mad because this tells me that i am too old because i didn't immediately know what that meant (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) they're right though we used to just call that back in the day, guys. We used to just call that chewing the scenery. Yeah. That was the old way of saying that. Mm-hmm. But now we say he ate and left no crumbs. But it's still chewing. It is still <laughs> chewing. <laughs> really it evolved. Did. It evolved. It has. Yeah. But I think all that we've learned is that we've evolved a greater appreciation for his performance. And I think as maybe maybe people are becoming, you know, the people who were not as warm on the film are becoming a little warmer, I hope, or just understanding why it's important to the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, I think people seeing it on the big screen helped a lot because I can understand, actually, if someone who isn't that into a movie like Titanic, even though I personally think that if everybody actually opened their hearts to this movie, they would like it on some level. Because uh, it is made for anybody with a pulse, pretty much. Um, I think that. Um, oh God, what were we saying? <laughs> People have begun to appreciate it. Right, right, right. Is that what I was saying? Okay, cool. Yeah, it was <laughs> from from seeing it on the big screen. I think mm-hmm. I can understand if you're someone who maybe might not like, you know, period pieces or the historical fiction or a romance or a disaster or whatever, right? I can imagine that if you were to sit at home and watch it on your phone or your computer or your TV, that it wouldn't necessarily hit you, you know, the way James Cameron intended. Right. Uh, You know, I know for me watching it on a tube TV in 1998, 99 on VHS, was fine. It still hit me. I still loved it. But I know that that's not going to be the case for everybody. And Mm -hmm. uh, for especially for a a three hour movie like that. So I think if you can go and see it on like the biggest screen possible with the loudest sound possible, you will gain a better understanding and kind of understand why it popped off so much in Mm -hmm. the 90s and why it became the phenomenon that it did. 
and you it kind of allows you to be able to time travel a little bit and put yourself in those people's shoes um and so I think judging from reviews I've looked at on Letterboxd and uh all these other things I feel like that is the effect that this re-release has had on the movie and I was really sad just recently now when it left theaters Mm because now the hype has died down no one's really reviewing it as much as they were when it was in theaters and I've already started to see reviews start to lean a little bit more negative again already because I'm sure there are people who missed out on seeing it in theaters but now they're like oh I'll just check it out at home and then it's already happening again (laughs) of like yeah I don't get the hype overrated but all these people that did get to experience it uh came away with a really you know strong impression and left really beautiful reviews um so I do think Titanic should be re-released in theaters as much as possible (laughs) Uh, because that'll only help its legacy even more Mm -hmm. I think Um, because a lot of the things people were saying were insane there were a lot of a lot of um, former haters like proudly saying like yes I was a former hater but now I've seen the light and people saying crazy statements like I believe within you know a couple decades from now titanic is going to be in consideration for the greatest movie of all time after citizen kane like these people just saying crazy amazing statements and i'm like well that's what i mean hey (laughs) you know what when you experience titanic on the big screen you're going to be walking away feeling very changed (laughs) i have i have two stories one of which is not actually mine it is a i saw a tiktok recently which was like I don't know how old the person filming was, but it was like the annoying voice, like my sister and her friends going yeah, through the nope. five stages of grief I saw that. while watching I saw Titanic. That. It was, yep. it was amazing. If you've I not seen that. this, I will try. Please go Google this. Um, it is just these two girls literally going through the five stages of grief while watching Titanic and being emotional and excited and when the movie ends they're like this movie changed my life this just changed the whole way that I, I looked at love and if if I don't have a love like like Jack and Rose I don't want it yep <laughs> it's like I love this um and during the re-release I I ended up being able to go see the movie in theaters with a group of my friends most of whom are my age but one of whom is funny I think she's like 26 but in my brain she's still 21 when I met her so she's mm-hmm. like a child but she afterwards we were talking and they were saying you know they'd only ever seen clips of Titanic over the course of the years not in any linear order and this is the first time that I actually sat down and watch Titanic, and she looks me right in the eyes and goes, "You know, I get it now. Mm-hmm. I see now why we let James Cameron do whatever he wants." <laughs> and it was like, you know, I laughed a lot, but it was also like that is often the reaction where it's like, "Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense now." Mm-hmm. And it's, as you were saying, it's being able to see it all put together and being able to understand that narrative for many, many people. That first experience is almost magic in its own way because it is, it is an, it is a unique movie. Yeah. And it still looks beautiful. Really does. Oh my God. It looks so good for in, in the 4k 3d at Dolby cinema was 
absolutely incredible. That was by far on this re-release, like my best viewing of the movie. It just looked oh, nice. so beautiful. It, it looked so current as well, like with it that pristine. It does not look like a 25-year-old your 25 year old movie there's Um, a vibrancy to all this you're right because when you do watch you know movies from that time period they're often not as graphically mastered but you're right there was a brilliance and a smoothness that made it look so much more modern than it was yeah I, i and i think we we've talked about it a lot before on our pod but it's like it happened at the perfect moment yeah with technology when it comes to filmmaking where they were still willing to finance building a near full scale <laughs> replica of the titanic yep but then cgi was just good enough to create um what they needed to do in order to elevate the practical uh sets and you know really just use the cgi sparingly like where they mm-hmm. needed it um to do things they couldn't do maybe with practical effects like you know to actually make the ship sail and all this stuff you know i mean like they used the cgi where it was absolutely necessary pretty much Mm -hmm. uh whereas now we're just like super reliant on it for everything um and so it was just this perfect storm of how it all came together and in the in the long run it just helped it so much and then as well with the style of filmmaking um you know, it was just modern enough that looking back at it, it doesn't feel like a quote unquote old movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also was made in the style and spirit of old Hollywood epics. So yes. it's kind of like this perfect blend of the two where you can almost forgive a lot of the cornier stuff that people have issues with because, well, it's an old fashioned melodrama. Like that's just part of the DNA. But at the same time, it gets away with it as well. And you can totally get, you know, accept it because it still also feels modern enough that it doesn't feel old. Like, you know, I can't explain it. But like, you know, when you sit down to watch an old movie, Mm -hmm. you, number one, can tell that it's an old movie because of the style of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. because of the style of acting, because of the writing, because of just everything. Um. And you feel a little bit detached from it because it feels like it's from a different time. But with Titanic, it kind of feels like it has one foot in each door, you know, and that kind of helps a lot. And um, I think that's what will help younger generations still be able to connect to it in the way that they probably wouldn't to, you know, actual old Hollywood movies, you know. Sure. But it is. There is just so much that the movie did right. And as you said, it got lucky in that way that it came out at right at the right time. You know, maybe if it came out two, three years later, it wouldn't have been received in the same way. There's there's no way of knowing. There, there's you know, obviously there's no way of knowing. But for what it's worth, it came out at exactly the right time. It hit a lot of the right notes for a lot of people. And, you know, I asked a lot of people, at least I did at the beginning when I started the show, it's like, what do you think makes this so popular? And then I realized I was just answering that question every episode. But there is no one way to answer it. You know, we've touched on how many points in in this discussion and there's, (laughs) we could keep each other for two and a half hours more going over the like repetitive merits of this movie because there's just so many. Yeah. And that's what's helping it keep on. And as you said, 
what's yeah. gonna keep uh, younger generations making tiktoks about their younger sisters <laughs> oh my god and not just that but like tiktok edits oh my god tiktok all the like we talked about this on our oh god <laughs> on our um 25th anniversary episode that i just edited mm-hmm. but i mentioned how i started to look up titanic stuff on tiktok and it's just insane how like i saw a jack and rose edit that was posted maybe it would it had been up for 15 days or so and it had mm-hmm. 1.6 million likes and now it has 1.8 million likes and that's so many. I, that's you know, I in my experience on TikTok, a viral video to me on TikTok is over a hundred thousand. Like if something has over a hundred thousand likes or something, I'm like, well, that's like a viral TikTok. This had 1.6 million likes in like 15 days. And I was like, this is insane. This is the power of Titanic. Like we all know that it's mainly teenagers who rule TikTok. And so for Jack and Rose edit to have that many likes in that little time. I was like, this is incredible. This is amazing. And the Jack Dawson tag. Young Leo still has these kids in a chokehold too. Uh, but uh, Why am I not surprised? Yeah, it's crazy. And I was shocked as well to see that the Jack Dawson tag, the last time I checked, has 1.6 billion views on TikTok. That was so, billion with a B. Right? Billion with a B. 1.6 billion people or 1.6 billion times people have clicked the jack dawson tag to find thirst edits of young leonardo dicaprio in this movie <laughs> it's wild oh man this movie it's almost like it's gonna go on and on wow kind of like the heart you know Oh, women's hearts are deep oceans of secrets. <laughs> I have to say, before I let you go, that is that is one of my least favorite movies lines in the entire movie. I know oh, some the people wo- like it. Woman's heart, yeah. A woman's heart is a deep ocean of secrets. Lady, be quiet. Yeah, the old rose. I've, yeah, I've said before, like old rose is probably the only aspect of the movie. Her and Brock sometimes are like the only two aspects where it's like. Eh, the dialogue could have been a little better there but that in the performances as well poor gloria she, stewart rest I, in peace. I agree she is my least <laughs> she is my least favorite part of that movie i'm sorry gloria stewart i don't hate you i just don't think you were believable as old rose i'm sorry yeah. i'm sure you're really nice you were i'm sure <laughs> oh no yeah that's my mom's Oops. biggest problem with the movie too just yeah yeah the i mean line, I... the line reading of a woman's heart is a deep ocean of secrets as well. It's just there's really no way to kind of make that sound natural and conversational. <laughs> no, uh, nope. I was gonna give it a try, and I think it's gonna sound just as crazy. It's like you can't even say that in any other conversation. It's like, well, why won't you let me know the Wi-Fi password? Because a woman's heart is a deep ocean of secrets to me. Like it just <laughs> sounds insane in every context. Ugh. All right, Brittany. Thank you so much for coming on and talking even more about Titanic, even though you were just talking about how you already did a lot of talking about Titanic and I have to go <laughs> listen to yourself talk about Titanic more. That, that's the, that's my life. Thumbs the breaks. <laughs> Awesome. Well, if you guys are not already listeners, you should go check out Titanic scene by scene. I will link that and everything in the description box so that you can find it easier. But I'm I'm hoping that most people who listen to the show are already keen listeners and will just be mad that I'm telling them stuff they already know. 
Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you <laughs> so much. So again. much fun. Yeah, thank I you. I, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm to... going to be eagerly looking out for all your new episodes. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hopefully, we can stay on top of a schedule. That's definitely a New Year's Whatever. resolution of ours. I think so. I'm sure you'll be fine. But <laughs> thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you. Thank you so much for Brittany, to Brittany for coming on. I've been a huge fan of her and her show for such a long time, and you should go ahead and follow her and um, the Titanic Scene by Scene podcast. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at iBrittanyButler, that's I-B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-B-U-T-L-E-R. Um, I will link that in the description box, and you can also find the show Titanic Scene by Scene on Facebook.com slash Titanic Scene by Scene, all one word, Instagram.com slash Titanic by Scene all one word and on twitter.com with the same username titanic by scene go ahead and check them out listen to them wherever you find your podcast follow Brittany, and i will see you next time bye titanic talkline was created and produced by me alexia be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at titanic talkline on facebook instagram and twitter that is all one word titanic talkline t-i-t-a-n-i-c t-a-l-k-l-i-n-e if you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at titanictalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's titanictalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!